come before you right now. And God, we just lay aside distractions and the cares of life and, and the rain outside. And God, right now, we just fix our focus on you. God, we're here to meet with you. But we want to hear from you tonight. We want to receive from your word and your spirit tonight so that we can grow and become more like you, God, and grow into the women that you created us to be. And so, Father, I pray that you speak to each and every one of us tonight through your word, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 All right. So for those of you who have not been with us throughout this study, let me just give you a really quick recap, okay? I can do it really quickly. And uh, we're just, as we jumped into this book of Ephesians, we, in the first week, really gave an introduction. And in that introduction, we said that the author of Ephesians, Paul, he had spent two to three years in Ephesus, okay? And he... During that time, he just developed this really close bond with the Ephesians. He just deeply loved them and cared for them. And when he was there, his sole focus of his ministry was on helping them understand relationship with God, so that they can have relationship with God through Jesus. But now, five years later, he is writing this letter to them from prison. And this is the letter of Ephesians that he's writing to them. And he wants them to have an expanded revelation of God. Because during this time, Paul himself has had an expanded revelation of God and who God wants us to be. And so he really is anxious for them to have this expanded revelation as well and to realize that this Christian life isn't just about us being saved. It's not just about us having a relationship with God. There's so much more to it. It's about our purpose and our calling together collectively as the church, Christ's body on the earth today. And so that's really his focus in Ephesians. And in chapter 1, he kind of starts out in this letter to them, reminding them of what he talked about when he was with them five years previously. He talks to them about relationship with God. But in chapter 1, he talks about it from God's viewpoint, who we are in him. And then in chapter 2, he talks about that relationship that we have from our viewpoint, from where we once were, what God brought us out of, to now what he wants to do in and through us. And then in chapter 3, he talks more and starts focusing more on that mystery of both Jews and Gentiles becoming one in Christ. And now, as we step into chapter 4, we'll see that chapter 4 all the way through chapter 6 starts focusing on walking out this life that we are called to. This life of being the church. Of being Christ's body on the earth today. And chapter 4 is where Paul really zooms in on our personal responsibility to walk worthy of this calling. Okay? You know, maybe some of you, you say, I always hear people talk about their calling and God's called them to this or God's called them to that. 
And sometimes people think, God, what have you called me to? If you are questioning what God has called you to, it is so clear right here in chapter 4. And, you know, God may have personal assignments and callings and things that he has for each of us to do, but none of that is greater than this ultimate assignment that he's given us, this calling of being his church, his body on the earth today. And so in Ephesians 4, Paul really talks about three aspects of being his body and, and how to do that, how to walk worthy of this calling. And so if we can grab a hold of this, these three things, not only will we have a really good understanding of Ephesians 4, but far more importantly than that, we will begin to take responsibility for walking out a life that is worthy of that calling. Okay? I want that kind of life, don't you? Okay, so let's look at what Paul tells us to do, how to walk out that life worthy of what we've all been called to, being his body. First thing, he wants us to walk united. So let's start and look at Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 4. And I'm going to be reading these verses tonight out of the New Living Translation. It says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Who is over all, in all, and living through all. Okay, let's unpack this a little bit. Remember the context here, that we are not just saved for ourselves. We are part of a bigger picture. Together, we're the body of Christ. So, if we're going to walk worthy of that calling of being his body, we've got to start by walking united. And he tells us some really important keys of how to do that. If we would just walk humbly, walk in humility. That would help us to walk united. Have you ever noticed that when there's pride, when there's arrogance, it's really hard to walk united? If we walk humbly, it really helps us to walk united. And that's contrary to how the world walks, isn't it? Have you ever noticed that? They want to be better than others and put each other down to build themselves up, to build their own empire and make themselves look great. But God says, just walk humbly. Walk humbly before me. If you want to know a key to helping yourself walk humbly, just daily remember what God brought you out of. Remember the things he's done in your life that is only him, only God could have done those things. We could never have done them on our own. That helps us to keep a humble focus. He says to walk with gentleness. A lot of people think that being gentle means just to be wimpy and to be a doormat and, and to get pushed around. That is not at all what gentleness means, okay? It 
literally means to be kind-hearted and easily controlled, meaning we can easily control our emotions. I hear a lot of people say, I'll never be gentle. I have a bold, brash personality. I'm loud. I could never be gentle. I want to tell you, gentleness has nothing to do with your personality. It's not a personality trait, okay? It is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit of God at work within us. And when He's at work within us, we can be gentle regardless of what our personality is, right? All right. And then it says to be patient, bearing with one another in love. You know, we always talk about being patient with circumstances. Oh, we're waiting for this to happen. We're waiting for that to happen. Be patient. Be patient. It's coming. But, you know, we need to be patient with each other. We need to be patient with each other's faults that drive us crazy. <laughs> you know why? Because we have faults that drive someone else crazy. <laughs> If someone else's faults drive you crazy, I promise you, you have faults that drive someone else crazy. I have faults that drive someone else crazy. I'm sure of it. So, <laughs> we have to remember that, that none of us are perfect and we need to be patient with each other. And then it says, bind ourselves together with peace. I love that. We've got to work at getting along with each other because sometimes it's not the easiest thing. Sometimes it doesn't come naturally. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> Sometimes it's not the easiest thing. But unity literally means a combination and arrangement of parts into a whole. Okay? That's the literal definition. Now, we've seen in the Word that Paul compares us, the body, to... A building. He compares us to a physical body, right? Many parts, it, but all members of one, right? And so we've seen how he's compared us to a building and being like stones within the building. And Jesus is that chief cornerstone. And so if we all took our place in the body, and we were like these, these little Jenga pieces here. <laughs> And we're all taking our place, and we're united, right? We're united. But then what happens when we're going along and there's some bumps in the road? Because anyone notice that there's sometimes there's some bumps in the road? And then what happens? Oh, first one fell out, and when the first one fell out, it affected all the others, didn't it? Yeah, it did. But, he says, to bind yourself together with and when we pursue peace and let, this is that same block, just like that one was, but it's bound together with peace. Now I want you to think about peace being like this tape that binds around us, okay? And when there's strife, when there's discord, disunity between you and someone else, remember that that peace will hold us together if we're people that we're, will pursue peace, that will go after peace, that will strive after peace in our relationships. Because if there's peace in our relationships, then when the, uh, we hit the bumps in the road, <laughs> then what happens? We stay 
united. Right? And that's God's plan. He doesn't want every little thing that comes up to scatter us and shatter his body. He wants us to stay united. But it happens when we allow peace to be bound around us. When there's discord, think about that peace binding you together and pursue peace. And then in those verses we just read, he says not only is this how to walk united, but he tells us why we can walk united, because we are one body. All of us together, we are one body, the body of Christ. In one spirit, the same spirit works in every single one of us, in all of us. We all have one hope, eternity, spending eternity in heaven with him. Because of our one faith in one Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we come into one baptism with one Father who orchestrated all of this because he loves us and abides in all of us by his one Spirit. If the Spirit of God is working within each and every one of us, then we can be united. And this is what he's telling us. Hey, remember, I'm not asking you to just to go out and try to figure this out on your own and try to just play nice and keep the unity and peace between you. He says, no, I'm telling you that the Spirit of God dwells in you and unites you to be one body. Because that's what we are called to be. We are called to be the church, the body of Christ on the earth today. So we need to walk worthy of that calling by choosing to be united. It's a choice. Are there any situations in your life where you're experiencing disunity, discord within the body of Christ? I want to encourage you. Bring it to God. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you and to show you how you can take that first step towards bringing unity into that situation, towards bringing peace into that situation. So often we want to sit back and wait for the other person, especially when we feel like we've been wronged, right? It's their fault. They need to take that first step. But God tells all of us to pursue unity. So we need to be willing to pursue it, to be the first one to take that step. So if there's disunity, talk to God. Let him show you and be willing to take that step, okay? And then the second thing that Paul focuses on here, he tells us if we're going to walk worthy of the calling, walk in unity, and then secondly, walk valuing our differences. Because we can have unity even in diversity. So let's look at verse 7. It says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lonely world. And the same one who descends is the one who ascends higher than all the heavens 
so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Okay, one thing I want us to notice here in this these verses is that we have different gifts. God gives out different gifts. All of our differing gifts are God-given. Okay? It says that Jesus ascended triumphantly to the right hand of the Father, from which position he is pouring out his gifts. And here in these verses, it mentions the ministry gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. But did you know that Paul also talks about other gifts in other letters that he wrote? In 1 Corinthians, in chapter 12, he talks about this very thing. He talks about unity in diversity. And he talks about spiritual gifts, what a lot of people call the manifestation gifts, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, prophecy, faith, healing, miracles, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Then later in that same chapter, he lists the gifts that we just talked about here in Ephesians 4. And then he talks about the gift of helps and the gift of administration. And then in Romans 12, he lists even more gifts when he's once again talking about unity in diversity. He talks about some of these gifts that we've already mentioned, and then he adds to it exhortation and giving and leading and mercy and even others. I want to show you that to say that there are lots of gifts that he gives out, okay? It's not just a few. There's so many gifts that God pours out to us, his children. And we need to recognize that he's going to give each of us different gifts because together, collectively, we are his body. Collectively, we are to reflect his fullness on the earth. We've got to realize that when we see amazing gifts in someone else, we don't need to compare to that or be intimidated by that or threatened by that. We need to encourage that and be blessed that we know that person with that gift. You know, we need to realize that God gives us each different gifts and value the gifts that he puts within us and within the others around us. So first thing I want us to see is that the gifts that are given are given by God. But then secondly, I want us to see that they're given by God for his purposes, okay? Look at verse 12. The respons their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. All right, so he gives the gifts, but he gives them for purpose. The gifts are given for our maturing, for our growing. 
God wants us to mature and grow. How many of you want to be maturing and growing? Sure you do. <laughs> we say we do until we have opportunity. <laughs> I believe we do. <laughs> you know, we're physically born into this world as babies, right? But when we're born again in Christ, we're spiritual babies. And we need to feed and to grow in Him. So we need to recognize that others around us are going to be at different places than we are. We're not all going to be at the same place. We need to be maturing in our journey, and they'll be maturing in their journey. Okay? But we've got to be patient. We can't expect everyone to be at the same place we are. And you know, the word compares us to a physical body. Christ's body, all of us, to a physical body, right? And so imagine if we're all parts of that body, okay? Imagine if you're a mature eye on that body, okay? And someone close to you is a very immature, new believer who's the mouth. And someone else may be in elementary stage and they're the ear. Okay? Are you tracking with me? Now, if you as that mature eye are surveying the situation here and seeing that the mouth is a very immature person. Someone who's just new walking with God. And maybe they've come out of a lifestyle not knowing anything about God. So of course it's gonna take time for God to renew their mind and and for the fruit of the spirit to be seen through their lives, right? So they might be saying some things that we don't really like. Right? Have you ever been around someone like that or in that situation? Or maybe the one who's the ear is listening to all these influences and things that are going to impact the whole body. And maybe as that mature eye, you're starting to get a little stressed out. You're saying, wait a minute, collectively as a whole, we're supposed to be showing those around us what God is like. We're supposed to be revealing God to the world through us, his body on the earth today. But by the way you're talking and the things you're listening to, you're hindering what people are seeing, their view they're seeing of God. You with me? So what do we do? We get frustrated? We tell them to knock it off? What do we do? Typically, our human nature gets frustrated. But we need to recognize they're in their growing process. They're in their maturing process. We all have a process. We were in that place one day. We were, we were in every, we've been in, you know, each stage as we grow and go forward. We're all in different stages. So we can't get frustrated because what will happen is we'll end up pulling away from the body if we get frustrated. So our job is to help them, is to encourage them, is to be their biggest cheerleader and supporter. 
to help them on their journey, not to criticize them, not to condemn them, not to put them down, but to be their biggest cheerleader, to be their supporter, to help them along the way. Can anybody say amen to that? Yeah, we've got to be here for each other. Difficulty, one moment. <laughs> so God gives us different gifts for the purpose of helping us mature. And growth happens, that maturing process happens when we each do our part to use the gift that he's given us. Now it says that in him the body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. I love that phrase. What does a joint supply? What does my ankle supply? <laughs> Movement, okay? What does my knee supply? Movement, action, right? What does my elbow supply? <laughs> Muscles. <laughs> Maybe if I used it quite enough. <laughs> okay, they are joint supply action, right? Yes, they do. For those of you who are unsure, it is not a trick question. Our joints supply action that benefit the whole body. Well, when all of us take action using the gifts that God has given us, it benefits the whole body. But so often, we don't want to take action. So often, parts of the body of Christ don't want to take action and be an active part of the body. So often parts of the body want to sit back and, and just be a consumer. Come to church for what can I get? What's in it for me? Some would rather sit back on the sidelines complaining about how everyone else is using their gift, not quite liking how they're using their gifts. Some like to sit back because they're intimidated by others' gifts. Some sit back just comparing to others' gifts. Some people don't take action in the body because they're so busy doing other things. We can all be good at having a million excuses. Sometimes people don't take action in the body because they say, well, well, God just has other things for me. God's just using me other places. God's just using me in the workplace or here or there or doing this or that. God has bigger things for me. God has other ministry for me. Can I tell you something? One thing I have learned from experience is that when we become united with the body, the church, and become an active part using the gifts that God's put within us, for me, when I've used the gifts that God's put within me, I have seen God open one door after the next after the next. I have seen God align me with one 
connection after the next, after the next, and walk me into a place of greater purpose and greater fulfillment than I ever imagined. We are created and called to be the body of Christ on the earth today, His church. And God's purposes for us individually will never, ever be detached from that calling. Do I need to say that again? <laughs> Ladies, we've got to get that. That is so important. We are created and called to be the body of Christ on the earth today, the church. And God's purposes for us individually will never be detached from that calling. You see, gifts are given to us by God for his purposes. So we've got to value the gifts within each other. We've got to value the gifts within us. We're called to be his church, his body on the earth. Let's walk worthy of that calling by valuing each other's differences. Amen? All right, and the third thing that Paul focuses in on in this chapter and tells us to do if we're going to walk worthy of that calling is not only to walk united, not only to walk valuing each other's differences, but to walk in our new nature. Walk as the real you. Did you know that's who you really are? Your real, the real you is walking in the new nature that you have in Christ? We've said in this series that that phrase, in Christ, is used 35 times just in these five chapters of Ephesians because Paul wants us to get that this is who we are. This is the real us. This is who God created us and intended us to be, people who live in Christ, walking in that new nature, not walking in our old nature. <clears throat> And we can know that we should do that. We can know that we should live in Christ. But doing it is sometimes another story. <clears throat> you know, truth known changes nobody. It's only truth done that brings change. And we need to actually be women who not just know we should live in Christ, but actually do it. So in verse 17, Paul says, With the Lord's authority I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do. Those who don't know Christ is who he's referring to. For they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Okay, so Paul's starting out here saying, okay, remember who you're not. All right, these first few verses. Remember, this is your old nature. Remember who you are not. Sometimes knowing who we are is easier when we know who we are not, okay? So he's saying you don't need to follow the crowd. 
Don't follow them. Don't live aimlessly and without purpose. That's not who you are. You have purpose. He says, you don't need to live like those who are just out for themselves because you have a bigger purpose. You're connected to the body of Christ. You're part of a bigger picture. He's saying, don't let your heart become hard. It will only prevent you from uniting with others. It will only prevent you from being that joint that takes action. He says, be careful that you don't become calloused and that we lose our moral conscience. Did you know, in some translations, it talks about being seared. Like if you're burned, if you're seared, what happens? That burn, that seal, it becomes a seal. It, what am I trying to say? The, I can't say the word. The, when you sear your skin, yeah, it becomes uh, that scar. Thank you. It becomes like um, numb, right? It's desensitized, yeah. And, and you can't feel there. It's numb. And sometimes when we continuously walk in the ways of that old nature, we can sear our conscience. And we can become numb and, and just continue walking in that way. But Paul's saying, hey, listen up. That's your old nature. That's not who you really are. That's not who God created you to be. Don't allow your conscience to be seared. You have a new life. This is who you are really created to be. Okay? So he starts out saying, remember who you're not. You are not like the world. Don't live like them. But then he goes on. And he's saying, now, remember who you are. Verse 20. But this isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Okay? He's saying, hey, remember who you're not? Realize who you are and walk in that. How do we do it? He says, throw off the old nature. Throw off that old life. Well, that's easy to say, isn't it? Okay, great. I'm going to throw off that old nature. But how do we really do that? What does that really mean? It might mean to quit hanging out with the people that are pulling you in that direction. It might mean to stop going to places that are pulling you in that direction. It might mean to quit doing things that are not revealing Christ through your life. It's easy to say, oh, I'm going to throw off the old nature. But we've got to start doing the things that do throw off the old nature, right? And then he says, let the Spirit renew your mind. I like that it says let, because we need to realize this is our responsibility. Sometimes we can think, oh, I have a relationship with God and, and His Spirit just hasn't renewed my mind yet. We need to allow His Spirit to renew our mind. Remember in the beginning we said Ephesians 4, it's all about us taking responsibility for our lives, taking responsibility to personally walk worthy of the calling that has been put on our lives to be the body of Christ. So we need to let our spirit re be renewed. In, um, I mean, our mind be renewed by the spirit. In Romans 12, 2, it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The world, the, wor 
transforms us. But it's a continual process. We've got to stay in the Word. We've got to let the Word wash over us. You see, the transformation process is not a bunch of do's and don'ts. Do this and don't do this. Follow this formula. No, it's about living in Christ, coming to Him, coming into His Word, spending time with Him, talking to Him about everything, listening to Him. If we want to hear from God, He will speak to us through His Word. That's the best place to start. Be in His Word, and He will transform form us. I remember a time in my life when God just, it was like a brick hit me in the head, gently by God, uh, because he was just giving me a revelation. Maybe a better way to say it was a light bulb went off for me, okay? But sometimes I need a brick to hit me in the head so I can see the light bulb go off. But I felt like he just showed me don't overcomplicate things. Don't make life so difficult. Life is so easy. And I felt like he really spoke to me and said, life boils down. Everything boils down to two things. One, God wants to be seen through my life. And the other one is the enemy wants to stop that from happening. Everything boils down to that. So in every decision, am I going to let God be seen? Or am I going to let the enemy stop him from being seen? In every attitude that I feel like picking up, hmm, is God going to be seen through this attitude? Or is this attitude going to prevent God from being seen? And if I go ahead and pick up that attitude, pick up that offense, whatever it might be, then I'm letting the enemy win. Life is so simple. It really does boil down to those things. Are we going to live in our new nature? Or are we going to live in our old nature. It's our choice. When we live in our new nature, we walk in unity with Christ and in unity with each other. And I love that Paul doesn't stop here. He says, okay, now let's take this one little step further and, and just talk a little bit more about what this looks like in everyday life. Because we can walk out of here and think, okay, this is good. I'm going to walk in unity. I'm going to um, value each other's differences. And I'm going to um, be this woman that walks in my new nature. But he says, yeah, but I know you're human and you need a little help. So let me spell it out a little more clearly for you. Look at verse 25. He says, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. He just spells it out for us. <laughs> he starts out saying, don't lie. That's your old nature. And lying destroys trust and therefore destroys relationships. Did you ever notice that lying comes really naturally to us as children? At a very young age, children don't have to be taught to lie, do they? <laughs> it comes naturally. 
And it doesn't end when we're children. Have you ever lied to your spouse about the cost of that new outfit you bought? Maybe you're one of our younger gals in here. Have you ever lied to your parents about where you were going? <laughs> Have you ever lied out of insecurity? Sometimes we lie out of insecurity. Sometimes we lie to avoid losing an argument and being embarrassed. Sometimes we lie because someone asks us to go somewhere or do something that we really don't want to do, so we conveniently have another plan that we don't really have. <clears throat> it's amazing how easily these things come to us because our fleshly human nature follows after our old sinful, that's our old sinful nature. We follow after the enemy, right? And so we've got to choose to live according to this new nature. It's easy to read these verses and just say, oh, lying. Of course, I'm a Christian. I don't lie. But hey, when we talk about it, it might be a little different story. So we've got to put on our new nature. You know why? Lying breaks trust and destroys relationships breaks unity, but truth brings unity, and truth is following our new nature, the real us who God created us to be, and then he talks about anger, and you know, we'll all get angry, but how we deal with it is the question, will we deal with that anger according to our old nature or according to our new nature, because what does our old nature do? Our old nature wants wants to hurt back, hurt the one who hurt us, right? We play the scenario over and over in our minds, figuring out how we can seek revenge. Not that any of you have ever done that. What makes you angry? What are the things that make you angry? When you feel attacked? When you feel mistreated? Heavy traffic? What is it? <laughs> And what do we do when we get angry? Do we unload on someone? You know what? I used to have, when I was young, had a very bad temper. And I remember I could feel myself when I would start getting angry, like my blood starting to boil. Like I could feel like my veins were starting to bulge, that adrenaline starting to race. If any of you have dealt with anger, you know what I'm talking about. But I want to tell you that God is able to help us, transform us. And as I started bringing those things to him rather than reacting out of that anger, he taught me how to deal with the anger according to my new nature in him. And I can't remember how many years back it has been since I have had that feeling of my blood boiling. God will help us if we let him. He wants us to respond according to our new nature in him. And he wants us to deal with anger quickly. Doesn't it say don't let the sun go down on your anger? So we need to deal with anger quickly. Not hold on to it, because it will turn into other things if we hold on to it. But one thing we've got to realize is we've also 
got to deal with the anger appropriately. Because we can easily say, okay, I'm not going to hold on to this. I'm, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to tell that person. And, and we're going to do it right now while we're so angry. And then we think, you know, that social media would be a great place to do that. <laughs> or, or through texting, which is a really bad idea, <laughs> form of communication when you're angry or just talking to that person and spewing it all out, vomiting all of our emotions on them, and then, oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> and we've just <laughs> thrown daggers into another person. We've got to deal with our anger quickly and appropriately. And how do we deal with it appropriately? We bring it to God. Before saying a word, before writing a word, we need to bring it to God first and say, okay, God, I'm, I'm upset about this. I'm frustrated about this. But I know that I don't know the whole picture because there's always two sides or more, okay? So God, help me. Give me understanding to understand what the other person was going through, what was happening. And God, show me how to approach them. Show me what to say. Show me what I need to talk about if I need to talk about some of this with them. Or show me what I can let just slide right off. Bring it to God first and listen. And then deal with what needs to be dealt with. Okay? That's how we deal with things according to our new nature. Then he talks about stealing and, you know, we need to be good stewards. We need to be hard workers so that we have things to bless others with because that brings unity. And not having corrupt speech. So often I hear husbands and wives talking to each other in ways that they would never even talk to a stranger, belittling each other, tearing each other down. I can't tell you how many times I've been in stores or in parking lots hearing parents tearing down their children, yelling profanities at their children. It breaks my heart. You're tearing them down. We need to be building them up and encouraging them. But yet I've also heard children, teenagers, young adults, tearing down and ripping into their parents as well. It goes both ways. Sometimes we can sit back and think, well, they're the older one. They should be setting the example. And yeah, you're right, they should. But when they're not, let's be the one who does our part, okay? Following after our new nature, not the corrupt speech of our old nature, but letting our words build up and encourage. And so then after Paul gives us these examples of these things, okay, this is how you walk it out. Then he says in verse 30, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. You see, when we operate out of our old nature, it saddens the Holy Spirit. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he wants to flood through us. He wants to be seen through us. He wants to reveal God to others around us. But when we're operating according to our old nature, it prevents that from happening. And then in verse 31, 
And 32, he concludes and he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You see, when we hold on to unforgiveness, you know what happens? It causes us to live according to our old nature. We can't hold on to unforgiveness and live according to our new nature. It's not possible. That unforgiveness causes us to become bitter, to be full of rage, anger, harsh words, slander, and all types of evil behavior. But when we forgive, we take on the nature of God who forgives us. And it causes us to walk in our new nature, the nature of Christ. I want to be someone who walks in Christ, in that new nature. Don't you? Yeah, I know we all do. So we've got to take personal responsibility to be women who will do that, who will walk worthy of our calling. We are called collectively to be the body of Christ on the earth today. Are we personally walking worthy of that calling? I think it's good just to ask ourselves that question and ask the Holy Spirit that question so that he can show us areas where we need to make adjustments to ask ourselves, are we walking in unity? Are we walking, valuing our differences, the gifts in others and in ourselves, taking action to use those things for the benefit of the body? And are we walking in our new nature in Christ so that we're showing others what God is like? I just encourage you to ask yourself those questions. I've been asking myself those questions. And as we conclude, I just want us to take a moment and pray. See, God wants to do amazing things through us. He wants to reveal himself through us. He wants to use each one of us. He's called us to be his body on the earth. Wow, what a privilege. How amazing is that? But sometimes stuff gets in the way. Things from our old nature prevent it from happening. So let's just be women who regularly examine our hearts so that God can be seen through us as he wants to. Amen? Amen. Father, we come before you right now. And God, we just each open our hearts to you. And God, we just ask that you would just show us where there's areas that maybe we need to make adjustments. Maybe where there's areas that we need to pursue unity, pursue peace with others more fully, God. Maybe areas where we need to value each other's gifts rather than being threatened, rather than comparing. Where we need to step out and use the gifts that you've put within us. God, maybe there's areas where we've really been responding and walking according to our old nature. God, help us. Help us to make that adjustment. Not to wait for anybody else to change, but help us 
to take responsibility for our own life and to walk worthy of that calling of being your body. God, show us. Show us where we need to make adjustments and help us. God, I thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit as our helper. God, you're so wonderful. You help us every step of the way, and we are so thankful. Thank you, God. God, we want to be the women you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. <sighs> I want to walk according to that new nature. I know you do, too. I want to be that reflection of Christ on the earth. But it's not just one person who does it on our own. Together we are. But as we take responsibility for ourselves, then we become more united together, and together we reflect more of him. Let God speak to your heart. Let him show you areas where you can make adjustments, because we all need to be doing that regularly. And before you go, I want you to just take time. Maybe you've got something that you feel like the Holy Spirit really spoke to your heart and you want to pray specifically about at your table. There are ladies at your table who would absolutely love to pray with you. And so you can have the remainder of this time to pray together at your tables. And um, if you're here tonight and you say, I've never been in a setting like this and maybe you came in tonight and you have never had your own personal relationship with Jesus you can do that and at your tables as you have time to pray just let the ladies at your table know that you want to have your own personal relationship with Jesus and they would just be so honored to pray with you all we have to do is pray and to ask Jesus to be Lord of our life and we get to start living out every day with him and in him. So take the remainder of this time. Pray together at your tables. Love you guys. Don't forget to sign up for the devotions if you haven't already. Get your list of small groups. Love you girls. See you next month for Monday night and next week for Tuesday morning. <laughs>